Our reading from God's Word this morning comes from Philippians chapter 4. We'll read two verses, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. And these may be familiar to some of us. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. And we thank God together for his word. Thank you. This passage that we're going to study today is a familiar one to me. I think it would be a familiar one to many with Baptist backgrounds like I have. Um, It's kind of a favorite for some reason. Um, The typical way I've seen it used is to help us decide what is okay to watch on TV, what is okay to watch in the movie theater, what's okay for a Christian to read, what websites are okay for a Christian to visit. That's the typical way I've seen this this, uh, verse used. Now read it once more so we remember what we're talking about. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, before we really launch into this familiar passage, let's have one more word of prayer for God to help us to understand it. Lord, we do. We pray just that, that you would help us to understand your word. Help me to explain it in a helpful way that's, that's understandable, that we could know better who you are, who we are, what is right and what is wrong, how to live. And I pray that we would experience joy through getting to know you through your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the rule for me growing up, no R-rated movies. I'm pretty sure this passage was the basis for it. No R-rated movies. Then, Mel Gibson makes a movie about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's rated R. But we'll let it slip because it's... It's about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Before that, Steven Spielberg made Saving Private Ryan. Definitely rated R. But, you know, I can't remember how old I was when that came out. That one was kind of, should we, I don't know, should we watch it or not? Because it has such historical significance to it. For a man like me who's never seen war, that movie helped me to understand the sacrifice that was made for our country. So it seemed there was some benefit to it. But it was so hard for me to discern these things. Because what I had was a rule. No rated R movies. I'm telling you guys this story because I want to warn you and me against something before we study this passage. We Christians have a tendency to go through a process with God's Word. We read God's Word. It has a lot of true, glorious, wonderful principles. And we take the principle... And we then decide, okay, how can we adjust our lives to live according to this truth? 
And we take it through sort of a process in our minds until on the other end we come out with basically some rules of how we're going to live in obedience to this passage of Scripture. Now this is great. This is what we should do. We should think through what we learn from Scripture. How do we adjust our lives accordingly? But where we get into trouble is when we then focus so much on the rules that we've created that we forget the principles that led us to it. And this is what happens over generations in the church. Often, one generation will love God's Word, and they'll study God's Word, and they'll, they'll fall in love with the principles of God's Word, and they'll think, how can we adjust our lives? And they'll, they'll go through the process. They'll think, in my day, how can I live according to this? And they come up with some rules, some guidelines to live by, and they're good. And their next generation comes, and we give them those rules, and we give them those guidelines. Live like this. Don't do this. Do this. But sometimes we forget to give them the principles that led to that. So this generation has rules, and they have guidelines. But they don't know where it came from. And then eventually you get, either, you get two things. You either get rebellion. People will say, well, pff, mom said not to watch this show or do this thing. But what is she talking Why? All my friends are doing it. So, obviously, mom didn't really know what she was talking about. She was just trying to keep me in line. So I'm going to do as I wish. Or, you get what's called legalism. Legalism is basically worshiping the idol of rules. People who don't understand the principles and the truths that are behind the rules, but they devote their lives to living by the letter of the rules. And this has happened to Christians. This has happened to Jews. Jewish people have, they have the Torah, and then surrounding the Torah, they have volumes of books written by rabbis about how to live, live that out. To where many Jewish people don't even get to get into the scripture, because they can't get past all the rules and regs. This is what happened in Catholicism. You remember the story of Martin Luther, the Protestant Reformation? Basically, over time, they had gotten away from the source, they had gotten away from the scripture, and they had developed all these, these do's, don'ts, rules. They got so far away that it almost didn't even make sense anymore by the scripture. And Martin Luther was like, wait a minute. We've got to clear all this out and get back to the source. We take principles, we turn them into rules, and then eventually, if we're not careful, the rules will replace the principles. And then we're not men and women of principle, we're men and women of rules. I'm warning against this now because this sermon could very easily cause us to all walk out of here with some rules. And that's okay if you do walk out of here with some very specific ways you want to apply this in your life. But mainly, I want us to get the truth that's in this scripture because it's so much deeper than just don't watch R-rated movies. There's so much more in here than that. Okay? We had to address that before we can go on. Don't walk out of here with rules. Walk out of here with a fresh vision of God's truth in regard to what we put in our mind and how we think. The title of this sermon is called Think. In the series, we're talking about why, as Christians, are we not experiencing the joy often that the Bible promises? And we've talked about many things in this book that many of us struggle with that cause us to miss the joy. Today, we're going to talk about our thought life, how we think. 
affects our joy. Now, typically when I've studied this passage, and I really like this passage, I have studied, my English knowledge may embarrass me here, the adjectives, right? True, noble, those are adjectives, right? Meredith? She gave me the, huh, look. I have always focused on the adjectives, and I sincerely hope these are adjectives, or else I look like an idiot right now. (laughs) Ted's trying to fake me out like they're not. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Eight things. I have always focused on those. To the extent that I forgot about the verbs. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Before we talk about the, what I hope are adjectives, we're going to talk about this first verb. There's really only two verbs in this, sex, this passage. Think about these things. A better translation of it, one that many use, is dwell on these things. See, I've always taken this passage in a very passive way. That basically my mind is like a house and I have control of the door. And there's things that are trying to come and get into my, my mind house. And basically, I took this passage to mean don't open the door to anything that doesn't have the right password. The right password is if it matches up all these things. Now, I took it very passively, but this verb is an aggressive verb. There's nothing passive about it. Dwell on these things. Literally, set your mind on these things. You're in control of this thing up here. Put it on these kinds of things. In other contexts, it's translated take inventory, estimate, conclude, account, number, reason. These are all words that indicate some some energy, some intentional energy. Okay, so before we get into the list here, just know that this isn't just what we're to allow in. This is what we're to go after mentally with our thinking. Okay, I know not all of us consider ourselves to be thinkers per se. We're not all sitting for hours on a chair thinking about things, but we are all thinkers. We are all thinkers. We're thinking all the time. There's a verse, you don't have to flip to it, but it's in 2 Corinthians. I'm just a real quick verse, I'm just going to read it for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Paul says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's the part I really want you to focus on. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive our thoughts to make them obedient to Christ. I want you to start to see the picture of how we're responsible for what's going on up here. We're to take active, intentional responsibility for what's going on up here. Aggressively take charge of our thought life. So, I have a little test for you. It's not a hard test. And don't answer out loud. I want us to try to begin... To reflect on what has been going on up here. So, it's about five after. We've been in this service for 35 minutes. What's been going on up here during this 35 minutes? 
Just think back. What, what has been going on up here? What have you been thinking about? We've been on the ride in this morning. Try to remember, what was I thinking about on the ride in this morning? What about your typical commute to work each week? What's going on up here during that? Or last night as you lay down to go to bed and you had a few minutes before you fell asleep for some more minutes than others. Coming off of this lock-in, I was asleep before I even started the trajectory into my bed. <laughs> what's, go, what, what's going on in here during that time? For some, that's the only quiet time during the week. What's going on up here? What has occupied your mind in this last week? How actively have you monitored what's going on up there? I've, I've got a feeling some of us are like, I have no idea. I don't know what's been going on up there. That's not okay. Don't get exhausted on me just yet. It's not that hard, but that's, that's a red flag, though. If we don't even know, I don't know. Notice how positive this is before we move on. Whatever is true, pure, right, etc., go and think about these things. Again, the classical way that I've heard this taught is very, very negative. Don't let the opposites of these things in. But that's not good enough. We are to go mentally after these kinds of thoughts. Now, why is this so important? I think there's two reasons. In Proverbs, for one thing, there's a proverb in the Bible that says, As a man thinks within himself, so he is. What's going on up here is what you're going to become. It's what, you're, what you are. What you're becoming is so important. As a man thinks within himself, so he is. What have you been thinking about? Another reason, further down in this verse, we're going to get to at the end. The promise in this passage is, and the God of peace will be with you. This passage is connected to last week's passage about be anxious for nothing, pray, peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. There's a similar promise at the end of this passage. Apparently, there is a way of thinking that can disconnect us from experiencing the presence of God. And conversely, there's a way of thinking that can connect us to experiencing the presence of God. The promise at the end of what we're studying today is, and the, the God of peace will be with you. So has your thinking been disconnecting you from experiencing the presence of God? Or has it been connecting you to experiencing the presence of God? It's very important. Before we get to the list, I want you to notice the, the flow of thought here. Last week, I got so much out of last week's sermon, which said very bluntly, be anxious for nothing, no thing, no anxiety, but instead present everything by prayer and supplication to God with thanksgiving and the peace of God will guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. Okay? And then he flows into this verse. Now, all this stuff. Think about all this, these great things. I think there's a reason it flows like that. Now, just, just think about your mindset through the week. Some more than others are consumed with anxious thoughts. Some of you, when you did that little exercise thinking about what have I been thinking about, 
The majority of it was, was anxious thoughts about what I'm going to do about this. What's going to happen if this happens? Then what about that? Now imagine if God was able to do a miracle in your mind, remove all anxious thoughts. What a vacuum would be in there. What would you, what would you do? What would you think about if you didn't have to think about anxious thoughts? What would you do with yourself? Most of us, that's our full-time job. And I think that's why he puts it in here. If you just try to remove the anxious thoughts, just say, okay, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Your brain's got to think about something. That's what it's used to thinking about. And the vacuum is going to suck that back in. I just think it's interesting that Paul says, okay, don't be anxious for anything. But he doesn't leave it at that. He tells you what to replace that with. Don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything. That requires mental energy. And then fill your mind up with thinking about these awesome, glorious things. Fill your mind up with these good things because if you don't, that vacuum in your mind is going to just suck all that anxiety back in. Or Satan's going to use that empty space and he's going to fill it with what he wants to. There's an old saying, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Have our minds just been resting in idle this week? That's dangerous. Okay, let's get to the list. Because I haven't enough time for this entire outline. I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will direct me on what to chop out as I go. This first word. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. That word true can be translated a variety of ways. But at the core of the meaning of it is honor. Whatever is honorable. Some of your Bibles may translate it honor, honorable. Whatever is honorable. And it carries with it the picture of gravity, of seriousness. Basically what he's saying is, in your thinking, let it weigh heavily on the things that God takes seriously. On honorable things. As opposed to letting your thinking not take seriously the things God takes seriously. Are you following with me on that? That's a little confusing. God takes some things seriously. He takes himself seriously. He takes the Bible seriously. He takes the the issues of life and death seriously. Our eternal destination, heaven or hell, seriously. He takes his family seriously. Things of marriage and parenting. Our relationships to each other as Christians. He takes these things seriously. In our thinking, we need to train ourselves to take these things seriously. And remember, what a man thinks within himself, he is. If our thinking is honorable, you may become honorable. If it's dishonorable, you may become dishonorable. I'm going to get to some specific examples of this in, in, before I finish. But let's move through this list. Whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever is right. Let's look at right. We'll be able to look at each of these in the same extent. This word right, it doesn't just mean correct. Like you can think about math problems and, and, and you know, 2 plus 2 does equal 4. It doesn't mean meditate on that kind of like correct information. It means equitable or fair or just. Your thinking needs to be equitable, fair and just and right. And some of these may seem at first like, well, that doesn't... I mean, sure, my thinking is fair. How could it not be? Well, let's say someone wrongs you. 
And then you're thinking all week is sent on this trajectory of just unfair, just malicious thinking about this person. It doesn't really take into account their perspective. It's just unfair. It's unjust. Whatever is pure, meaning clean or innocent or modest or chaste. Think about those kinds of things. Would you be ashamed if all the thoughts from your week were put up here on a projector for everyone to see? Because they were impure, unclean? Would you be ashamed if they were put up on a projector in front of God? Because they are on a projector in front of God. Whatever is, is lovely, beautiful, pleasant, friendly, helpful things. Think about those kind of things as opposed to ugly, unhelpful, unnecessarily offensive things. Whatever is admirable. Some translations say of good repute. You're thinking, how you think, is that how you would want your children to think? The thoughts that you tend to nurse in your mind, are those the kind of things you would like your children to think about? Are they admirable? If anything is excellent, that carries with it the idea of virtue, like virtuous. Justice, wisdom, courage, moderation, faith, hope, love. These are virtues. We're to be filling our minds with these kinds of subject matter, these kinds of things. It's the opposite of hate, envy, anger, laziness, gluttony. Those are all the opposites. You can either become excellent or worthless, depending on your thinking. there's anything praiseworthy, commendable, would you be ashamed of your thinking? This is the list. I don't, I don't intend to spend a lot of time on the list because it's fairly self-explanatory, really. This is the list from which many rules have been made. Now, I want to talk somewhat practically here, and probably in the process, I'll probably name some specific thing. But the reason rules get made from this is because how do we influence our thinking? Aside from just taking our thoughts captive, our thinking is influenced by what we put in. What you put in, you get out. Garbage in, garbage out. What you put in your mind is what your thoughts are going to be consumed by. This is how the rules start getting made. One of my rules growing up was don't watch The Simpsons. Now, if I mention specific things that does not mean that I'm either condemning or condoning anything in particular. Again, I'm not giving you rules. That was a rule that my mom gave me. Don't watch The Simpsons. Never knew why. I just, you know, I figured she thought it was stupid, not worth my time. So then I move out of the house. My roommate watches The Simpsons and I catch a few episodes. And it's funny. It is. It's kind of old now. I think it's still on the air though, right? You guys know what The Simpsons is, right? It's a cartoon. Saw a couple of no. It's a cartoon. It's this a cartoon, but it's not for kids. It's a cartoon for grown-ups. So anyway, in college I had two roommates. One of them's name was Mike. He was a fan of The Simpsons. One of them's name was Corrine. He was a Romanian PhD student. Not a fan of The Simpsons. <laughs> and so, you know, we would be watching The Simpsons from time to time, and he would always make clear his feelings about the fact that we would be wasting our time watching The Simpsons. He made 
it was very clear how he felt about it. I remember one day we, we were sitting there, it was lunch or something, and Mike was in there, he was watching The Simpsons, and I came in with my sandwich, and I just sat down, and before I even took a bite, we heard the door open, Kareem was coming in, and the next thing I know, the remote lands in my lap, and I look over, and Mike grabs a theology book, and I'm sitting there with, like, sandwich hanging out of my mouth, and Kareem walks around the corner, like, yeah. But I think there is a reason to be hesitant about things like The Simpsons. It's a silly example to talk about The Simpsons. But after I finally got to start watching it, I saw there is nothing honorable about it. In fact, everything God takes seriously, it mocks. The characters in there that are are Christians are ridiculous. God acts ridiculously. It mocks God. It mocks Christians. It mocks the Bible. It mocks morality. It mocks fatherhood. Homer, the father of the house, is a complete doofus. And how many shows depict fatherhood like that and husbands like that? Mocking what God takes seriously. Now, I'm not saying, okay, you guys do not watch The Simpsons. Don't hear me saying that. What I'm saying is, watch what you're putting in. Because if what you're putting in mocks what God takes seriously, that's going to start to affect you. And you don't need to be thinking like that. You need to be putting in things that take seriously what God takes seriously. Or what about the one about right or just, fair? Many of us have a tendency to program into the kinds of TV shows or radio shows that reflect our point of view. But how many of those are really right? I mean, how many of those are fair, equitable? Some of them are. I'm not going to name any specific things. We have to be careful that we're not filling our mind with these one-sided, hateful to the other side, unfair, unjust things because we happen to kind of agree and we feel like we're in and then our thinking starts to get shaped by this. Next thing you know, we hate people because they're on the other side of these issues. Got to be careful with what we're putting in our minds and how we're thinking. Gosh, what about, what about the one in here about pure Whatever is pure, think about those things. And if what we put in is what we're going to think about, goodness gracious, how difficult it is not to put in impure things. I listened to a a podcast, a little program on my music player, where it was talking to preachers and it was saying, you have to be plugged into your culture. You've got to know what's going on out there. One way to do this, just go to a Walmart and just take a look at the magazine rack. And I was like, I never, I haven't done that in years. I'm not a magazine kind of guy. So I was in Walmart later that day for something else. I thought, I've got a few minutes. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go get plugged into my culture, see what's going on on the magazine rack. God, I was shocked. I really was shocked at the impurity right there for all ages to walk by. I was shocked. We've got to watch what we're putting in. And it may just be that if we take this purity thing seriously, that that would disqualify almost everything. Well, so be it. Watch how you think. And what you put in affects how you think. If it means that when you're at the checkout line of the grocery store that you stare straight ahead and you do not look at what's to your size, so you do not see the the plain lies, the falsehood that women see about how they should look, so you don't let that infect your thinking about what people should look like, or so guys don't see the lies about that and start to have impure thinking, then so be it. 
Stand, just look straight. You got to be careful. Another shocking experience for us. You guys are going to think that we just like walked out of Amish country into this church, but we, due to lack of funds mainly, have not been to the movies much. And we've gotten a chance to go recently. And we're sitting there about to enjoy our movie, and the previews come on. It's like one after another of these dark, viciously violent, grotesque movies. Some of you may be into these kind of movies, like the people who are fans of horror movies. Have horror movies always been so popular? It seems like they're coming out all the time now. It's not even Halloween. But anyway, we're sitting there, and we just look at each other like, oh, man. That is not lovely. And I'm a very visual person. I bet some of you are this way too. I can't get some of those images out of my mind for a long time. It's not lovely. It's ugly. If we keep letting that stuff in, if we keep being so passive about what we let in, and so passive about how we think, we're going to become people that we never wanted to be. Because how you think is who you become. Now, I want to link this to the second verse there. I know my time's running short. But look at how verse 8 is linked to verse 9. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if there's anything excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. And then verse 9. Whatever you've heard, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. He flows straight from this thought about thinking about these great things into whatever you've heard and learned from me, put this stuff into practice. Now, I think the reason why is it's kind of given, it's kind of assumed that the most honorable, the most true, the most noble, the most right, the most pure, the most lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy thing in the universe is God. We get to know him and think about him through his word. God spoke his word through Paul. I think it was just assumed that Paul was saying, fill your mouth with these kind of things, especially the Bible. Learn it, receive it, hear it, look at it. There's plenty of examples of this in scripture. I don't have time to flip to them like I intended to, but in Psalm 1... Blessed is the man who does not listen to the counsel of the wicked, but in the word he meditates day and night. He thinks on it. He dwells on it. He he puts his mind in it on purpose to think about it day and night. And he's blessed. He's like a tree planted by rivers of water. He bears fruit no matter what the conditions are. A couple of psalms over in Psalm 4. How's it go? I was going to flip to it. Let me see if I can remember it. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. I always thought that had like a flow to it. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. There's lots of examples of God's people on their bed that might be the only peace and quiet you get to put your mind on these kinds of thoughts. That might be the one practical application you need to take from this. As you go to bed, try to put your thoughts on God's word on purpose. Think about it. In Deuteronomy, it's talking to parents saying, talk about these things, chew these things up about God's word whenever you sit, whenever you're walking by the way, when you get up, when you sit down, all the time. He tells Joshua, meditate on this day and night. We've got to be 
purposefully thanking people. We can't just leave it on cruise control. And it is all-consuming. But this is what we're to be. If you want to experience joy in God through Jesus Christ, you've got to be purposefully thanking Scripture. That's how He's revealed to us. You can pray for God's help. That's biblical too. In the Psalms, David says, May the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Let that be your second really easy practical step. Remember that prayer and pray it. Lord, may the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Basically, help me steer my thoughts. Help me to take control of this. And start to fill your mind with these kinds of things. And then the promise. This is in conclusion here. Think about these things. Put these things into practice, meaning do it repeatedly. But make it a habit. And the God of peace will be with you. Again, just to touch back to last week's sermon, he's not saying that he's going to refill your peace IV and you're going to get peace from God. He's saying the God of peace will be with you. God will be with you. That, that verb is like he will accompany you. In your trials, in your victories, in your challenges, in your decisions, in your difficult times, in your uncertain times, the God of peace will be with you. Don't let your thinking get out of control so as to disconnect you from experiencing the company of the God of peace. And my prayer is that the God of peace would be with us and that he would make the meditations of our hearts pleasing to him.